Just want to give a big thanks to all of our listeners for the support you've given us uh, to the podcast already. And this week we had on Andrew Patterson. Super excited to have Andrew on with his wealth of knowledge and expertise. He shared some great insight about marketing, um, but also about how to run a company efficiently and, and what he's done to grow that business. Most of us look from afar and think that, you know, that growth happens overnight. But Andrew talks about just some tips that he has to grow your business uh, that was extremely valuable. And for those of you that uh, don't know about uh, Patterson Custom Homes in Newport Beach, they have a portfolio of over 350 homes, including one that just sold for over $35 million. And to be honest, if you aren't following them, you need to go check them out, Patterson Custom Homes, and see some of the incredible work they're doing. So definitely enjoy this episode with Andrew. Welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. I am Brad Levitt. And today we have Andrew Patterson, president of Patterson Custom Homes. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Brad. Good to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So uh, for those of you who've been following Patterson Custom Homes, you know, it's funny. I've been a little uh, Instagram fan of them for quite some time. And uh, this past January at the Builder Show, I was actually able to meet Andrew in person. And I was able to meet Brad in person. <laughs> well, I'll say, Andrew, you've had a big impact. And, you know, um, you guys have really done a great job with your social media. You guys have done a great job with branding. You're building in one of the most difficult and expensive parts of the country. So let me ask you this, Andrew. How has social media changed your business? Uh, well, it all started probably about, um, I want to say about eight years ago. Um, when my wife was uh, pushing me um, about this Instagram platform. Oh, Instagram this, Instagram that. I was like, ah, I don't know, it's just for kids, whatever. Um but then she started showing me a lot of the interior designers that uh, I work with, their, their feeds, their, their posts, whatever. And she convinced me to start a Patterson um, Custom Homes page. But she was also very uh, explicit in how that all works. I don't understand how, how the, the, you know, the, the process worked. Where um, There's basically um, there's two people. There's basically um, reposters and influencers, and there's source posters. So we are a source poster, which means that we only will ever post uh, on Instagram work that we ourselves have done. So there's nothing on our feed that isn't a, uh, a Patterson um, built house or a uh, Patterson custom home um, sort of a event or whatever we've done that, that, we're, that we're trying to uh, show people. Um, then there's the people who take those pictures and then um or influencers and say oh i'm gonna you know i like this uh uh brass look at this 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 beautiful thing um then they get all these likes whatever um and then that sort of uh turns into this big you know movement of now everyone loves these brass fixtures um sort of sort of the same thing with this uh reclaimed wood that was big you know uh eight or nine years ago but, oh this reclaimed wood is the is where it's at and um you know, doing all the homes that we're uh, building at once, um, you know, we're starting to see uh, this reclaimed wood isn't in any of these these uh, images. It's not with the interior designers anymore. And then um, I spoke at a conference um, and uh, for designers. They asked, well, what is the biggest trend you see? I said, oh, this reclaimed wood is done. And people, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the gas and the whole crowd just shut down. They couldn't handle it. And my wife was in the audience. And uh, – uh, later on, she says, "Why would you say that uh, about the reclaimed wood?" I said, "Because it's done. The reclaimed wood is over. No one, you know." And then, sure enough, you know, go right now on your phone and show me a picture of any Instagram source poster like ourselves or influencer that's reposting, and show me on their feed some reclaimed barnwood siding on the inside of a house. Right? You're not going to see yep. it because that's not 
that's not the trend anymore. You know, the same way this brass fixtures and whatnot and gold will be out as well too. So, but that's, that's, that's the one thing about the, um, social media thing that is a negative is that, um, you only used to see these images, um, you know, in magazines, um, and, you know, maybe at open houses or, you know, it takes so long for this stuff to come to fruition, um, that by the time that you see it, it's got a long run. Okay. Um, now it's instantaneous because not only are people posting after, um, the homes are done, uh, you know, these beautiful glossy photos of, of, you know, professionally shot interiors and exteriors and whatnot, but they're also posting while they're building. So it's the, the, the quintessential, uh, foot picture on top of the tile, you know, that, you know, well, boom, that tile right there that started that, that life of that tile. And it's got like six months to a year to go. Um, and then of course, since everyone who comes to our office, they're using the tools of house, Instagram, Pinterest, um, all these different things. They come to our, our, our office with their pictures, their inspiration they want to build to. And, you know, a lot of it is you know, the same thing, which is what's currently there right now. Um, and what's, what's really cool too, is sometimes we'll see people will bring us pictures of houses and like, oh my gosh, like four of those images shows our house that we've built. So we can tell you exactly where to source it from and where to get it from and the cost and so on and so forth. So it, it really is, um, um, a double-edged sword where it's great because you can put your work out there you can, you can put your, uh, your brand out there. You can show people what your style is, what you're all about, what you specialize in. Um, the theme of your business, um, but on the flip side, it accelerates the uh, the ins, the, the what's in and what's out so quickly um, that you know you're always struggling to finish these houses faster than the style is become obsolete. Yep. It's kind of the same concern I think a lot of us have had. You know, for those of us that are building and posting our own content, such as yourself, you know, one of the issues is that. You know, some of these people that get on and just post, they don't realize the amount of work. And you kind of alluded to this because there is so much due diligence when it comes to winning the project at the beginning, going through pre-construction, going through the pains of construction and labor constraints, and then design. And, you know, it's typically a three-year process, whereas these images come up instantly. And the people that just repost it aren't, aren't really the sweat, blood, and tears of trying to get a design within budget and up to the quality for a satisfied customer that will come through and photograph it. Right. And that's something you're seeing because you're you're a creator, you're a source poster. And that's what I think really drew me to your feet. I'm like, Andrew and his team, they're doing these amazing houses and they're self-performing everything. I mean, this is their. So how has that changed? I mean, since you guys are doing your own stuff, Andrew, how has that changed? I guess. Well, well for, first thing, I'm going to commend you and uh, you and Nick from NS Builders. Uh, uh, you guys, uh, when, I, when I met you guys, the builders uh, uh, meet up. I was blown away that you guys do your own Instagram and that's, and that, I mean, the amount of work it takes to do it, the fact that you guys run your business, run your lives, run your families and still have time to do all the, the, the Instagram and posting and stories. It's absolutely remarkable that you can do that. So kudos to you both. Um, well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. so Stephanie, um, color does all of ours. Uh, she works for me, um, uh, for Patterson full time and, and that's her whole job is to do, basically social media um, and um, branding and making sure that when Patterson speaks, um, whether it be from, you know, an office admin 
to a project manager, to a warranty service person, to um, a project coordinator, to operations officer. Everyone speaks with the same language. We've got the same font. We've got the same connotation. We talk all our signs on our jobs. Look, I mean, everything looks the same. So what Stephanie's job really is to um, be 100% in charge of brand recognition um, and making sure that Andrew Patterson didn't say it, um, Sean didn't say it, um, Heather didn't say it, Brittany also didn't say it, Patterson Custom Homes said it. Um, Patterson Custom Homes is the person who built, is the is the entity that built the house on Larkspur. Um, so it really is a full-time job. And the reason why I invested, uh, you know, as you know, we all have to compete with each other on these, on these builds, right? Because we're in the service business. So at a certain point in time, no matter how good your services are, the fees aren't going to equal what you can get to, to, to pay for everything, right? So you have to be really selective on, on what direction you want to take your business. So for me, especially being in Southern California, where everything is uh, very visual and very quick and very fast and very expensive and very showy, um, that I elected that of our resources that we get from our fees, which have to be in market with everyone else's, to break off a, a pretty large portion of that to employ Stephanie and to uh, give her the resources and the capital to go out and and create this brand recognition and do um, all the Instagram and whatnot. And to my absolute astonishing surprise, we now that we can actually see where our, our referrals and our people are coming from, we are getting directly or indirectly uh, over 70, 75% of our business from what Stephanie puts out there. You know what? And that's amazing. Andrew, what's fascinating about that is Stephanie's done a phenomenal job. And I know that we met her uh, at the Builder Show, but she's done a great job kind of creating this um, portfolio of Patterson Homes. And it's very... Um, you know, it's at the forefront of design, which you kind of alluded to as an influencer that you're sourcing this stuff. You're at the forefront. So ha has that kind of been a targeted approach for you internally as far as what um, architects you want to work with, which interior designers? Because I know that you do work with a lot of architects and designers that have the same philosophy as far as social media goes, because they're big accounts just as yourself. And 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 so was there some strategy behind that or did that just kind of fall into place? I think that what happens is that when um, you get this um, sort of synergy and this sort of equilibrium between people. Um, so Brooke Wagner, who I've known for, um, oh, I don't even know, 15 years. Um, and her and I worked together on a project when she was first starting out and I was first starting out. And she had, was one of the first forefront, forefront people into Instagram um, in the community. And she has, I mean, hundreds of thousands of followers now. And... Um, then Chris Brandon, um, who's a really um, amazing architect in town, he has um, um, uh, an incredible social media platform as well. Um, he has the same philosophy that I do, where you know, we, you know, he understands and, and believes that you know, print print is great and print is awesome. That you know, you get your sort of a name on a on a on a, on a plaque on a trophy, but to have these images going out to prospective clients who are most likely, you know, making decisions on architects, builders, designers over cocktails with their friends who are saying, look at this thing that this person just posted. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, did you see this kitchen that um, Chris posted? Did you see this, you know, um, shiplap wall that Brooke posted? Um, 
So through that, um, a lot of the designers that we work with um, who don't have as many followers, um, they're really excited to work with us because we start tagging them and they also in turn get to tag us um, when these folders, when these photos are completed and the, uh, the projects are done because they're just going to, like we just said at the, at the, with the cocktail say, Oh, look at this kitchen. Well, now it's, you know, Denise Morrison interiors and it's Denise's kitchen, but it's still Chris Brandon and it's still Patterson. But now she has the audience of people saying, wow, that's fresh and exciting. I see all of Chris's stuff and Andrew's stuff. I've never seen like this style of kitchen uh, or this style, what she's done and the DM interiors, boom, I'll follow them. And next thing you know, Denise has got another follower. Now she goes from 40,000 to 40,001. And it just, the whole thing snowballs and keeps going. But Stephanie's well, the one that really taught me that of how that whole equilibrium and sharing of, of, of images and bringing people on and collaboration works. Well, well, what you've alluded to, I mean, there is a big synergy that you see from social media, right? And so I, you brought up Brooke Wagner. I, I believe Brooke, she's very similar in your mindset, right? If, I, if I'm not mistaken, she only posts her own work. Correct. Um, and, and Brandon Architects, I think, is the same. Um, you know, I met a couple of them, as I mentioned to you, at the, at the Wolf Sub-Zero Best Kitchen, you know, in, in, in California. But what's interesting is that, um, you know, that strategy, that synergy that's built where you're kind of co-branding each other and building this reputation, you know, you know, for you, that's very, very seasoned. And we'll get into your experience a little bit later. But, you know, you have a lot of construction knowledge. You have a lot of understanding of the industry and the relationship and how to negotiate and build this. And so you've kind of built this brand. But for a new contractor that's starting out or a new designer or a new architect, how could they get in to that wheelhouse of that network of an architect, builder, designer? I mean, what would you recommend for them, you know, that's just starting out? That's and that's and that's the I get asked that question a lot. So a lot of people come to me and say, "Well, how did how did you do it? How did you do this?" And I said, "It just there is no real pinpoint or way that um, direction or path that I walk down. I kind of just look around sometimes and look around and just say, "Wow, this is you know I'm kind of I'm here, but I don't really understand how I got here other than the <laughs> fact that um, you know I had no construction." custom home experience whatsoever. Um, I just drove down to Southern California after the, the, the dot-com blew up and I was uh, doing commercial construction up the Bay Area. Um, but I didn't have any knowledge of anything whatsoever. And I just drove down, didn't know, didn't know a single person. Um, and I just thought, hey, I'm going to go to S Southern California. And, you know, I've never been there before, even though I'm from the Bay Area. Um, mm -hmm. I went to Disneyland once when I was a kid. But and uh, just saw an, ar ar uh, an article in the Wedge about uh, a, a surfer magazine about the Wedge, and I said, hey, "I'm going to go check this place, Newport, out, and you know, surf." And just take six months off. Um, then, this in the span of it, I just you know end up remodeling this this uh, interior condo, and then um, a guy uh, 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 I remodeled this, this this sort of this triplex thing, just 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 messing around. Then a guy said, "Oh, you want to build these houses for me?" I said, "I'm not not feeling that." Um, but I ended up, you know, doing these houses and then, um, I went to the city, but like no one would talk to me cause I, you know, I, I wasn't like one of the big guys, I was only 27 years old or I can't remember, but, and, uh, no one at the city would talk to me. Nobody at the, no designers would talk to me, no, no trades would talk to me. So I ended up doing it, just doing the best. And that's the kind of, the, you know, sort of segment of advice I would give is finding the people that were in the same boat as me. Okay don't go to 
um, knock on the door of Chris Brandon, um, you know, of uh, Eric Olson, of, uh, you know, um, EBTA, or any of these big architects in town, don't knock on their door and say, oh, can I please have your plans? I want to bid them. They're going to say, beat it, kid. You know, you know, beat it. Right. Um, so what they need to do is they need to focus. What I did is, you know, everyone's outside the door and you're all kind of shut out. Well, guess what? You know, you're in company of other people who are shut out too. So there are designers that are shut out. There are, um, you know, uh, architects that are just starting out. And that's what I did is I basically sort of latched on to anyone that would talk to me and they became, you know, my tradesmen. Like a perfect example is um, a large foundation contractor in town is a guy named Cliff Arshwald is uh, ICD construction. He's one of the biggest foundation contractors in town. But um, after my fourth, fifth, sixth house, seventh house, when I was starting to get some momentum, I don't know, like 15 years, 20 years ago, I don't even know. Um, I just drove by a, one of these job sites and said, I saw this big behemoth looking guy, big, uh, like a, like a, like an Icelandic looking guy, big, massive hands. And, you know, out there in the trenches, like just smashing these form boards together and all sweaty and, you know, and I said, uh, and I said, wow, man, are you, uh, you doing foundations? The guy walked to my car and said, yeah, I do foundations this is me and my three guys and we'll knock these out. And he did a couple foundations for me. Next thing you know, he gets a, a, you know, a concrete pump. Next thing you know, he's got another 10 guys working for him. Now he's doing all the foundations in town for everyone. Um, and he's got, you know, 100 employees and, you know, fleet of trucks. And um, it's a incredible success story. But, um, you know, if I have a problem, I have an issue, you know, I'm going to call him and he'll remember, you know, hey, you know, he was in the trench that day when I drove up and I had nothing. He had nothing. And there's that camaraderie that we can always, you know, uh, count on. But you really you can't just knock on someone's door and say, hey, I want a piece of this. Unfortunately, there is no doorway into the, the river, the stream. There's no there's no doorway you walk in to jump into it. You really have to build it yourself by building with people that also don't have a doorway into the river, into the stream. Um, you know, like uh, this people say, ah, oh, how come in the in Newport Beach you get all these things done so quickly? How do you, you know, how do you know all the rules? How do you get all this stuff? How do you always put so quick to know everything? Well, the reason is because when I first started my business, you know, I was 28 years old. You know, I go to the city of Newport Beach, and nobody talked to me. I don't give a shit about Patterson. I don't care about Andrew. But you know who did shoot the shit with me? Drink beers after work? The other 28-year-old guys. They're all interns. Well, guess what? 20 years later, those interns, they'll run the city now. And I have them all first name based because they all knew that I came up with them too. So, you know, I'm, you know, 45, I turned 45 uh, next, actually next week. And, you know, um, I got 25 years in. I got another 20 years to go. And, um uh, you know, I'll be exiting the stream and then someone else will be right behind me coming back in, making their own stream. Yeah, and the yeah, relationships really that your team's making with other people that are out there, they're going to end up building each other too because I, you brought up some amazing points that I wrote down too, Andrew, is that what's funny is most people from afar are looking at this thinking that, it, you know, Rome's built overnight, right? They look at Patterson, they're like, I want to be that person, but they don't realize the years of relationship and work and blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. And I can relate to that because when I started, you know, I wanted to work with some of these big, big name architects and being a younger guy, I like such as yourself when you started your company, it doesn't happen. They're not going to, they wouldn't respond to my email or phone call. And it was very similar where you said, take a different strategy, start building a network 
with uh, younger professionals, designers, architects, or you know, interns at the city and the trades, the subcontractors, because in essence, not only are you going to start building your brands together to to eventually where a couple years down the road, you may get a signature project and then you can bring in that architect, right? And bring value and say, hey, I got something for you. And then you can build that relationship. But, you know, you talk about loyalty and it's funny how many contractors today are dealing with the labor shortage. They're dealing with a relationship issue. But if you've worked with someone for 10 years, like your foundation guy, and you've built this relationship, well, it's a lot easier when you need something to call him. He's going to be there. And so it's not just this fly by night. I mean, you've actually put in a lot to this relationship and that's what you're alluding to. Exactly right. Because it's not just, uh, Oh, give me the job or he gave me a job and I got him some job. It's, um, you know, speaking, you know, with the trades, like this is this, this, this business, um, you know, you know this. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, Stephanie does a great job of putting the gloss on it, but it's a shit show. I mean, you know that. <laughs> it is, man. You know that. Oh and my gosh! Every single day, you're one. You know, it's it's not like uh, you know you have this beautiful um, you know organization of all these people and and manuals and tasks and operations and order of this and stuff. But you just can't even. I mean, when I'm, I always joke around that I'm gonna write a book called you know. You can't believe this shit really happened to me, and <laughs> and, and because the, it's it's like the things that have happened to me, then that you just can't even make them up because they're just so off the wall, you know, with that are just monumentally gut checking horrific things that you just wake up in the morning brushing your teeth, it just happens to you, you know, and it's <laughs> some guy falls off a ladder or something, you know, some guy, uh, you know, uh, chips too far on the seawall and blows the thing out and leaks. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, um, and you know, there's no manual that's gonna that's gonna solve that. So, kind of going back to it is, you know, uh, oh, you know, um, uh, hey, this guy he misbid this foundation, and you know, he looks at me and says, hey, this, there's there's you know, a hundred thousand dollars of wall here that I just like I just I messed up, my estimator messed up, and you know, you don't just say like, hey, you know, eat it, you know, it sucks for you. It's like you work it out, like. Hey, let's go to the client. Let's tell him what's up. I'll pay half. He pays half. You pay half or third, whatever, whatever the numbers are. And, you know, you go to clients and if the client might say, you know, it's, it's very rare, but they might just say, go pound sand, man. I'm, I'm done with you. But that never really happens. But, you know, generally everyone just works it out because in the same regard, he's going to say like, you know, he's thinking, oh my God, this guy Patterson, he didn't make me eat this money and it all worked out and it was a mistake and it wasn't anyone's fault. My estimator was sleeping at the wheel and he just screwed up. In the same regard is I make a phone call like, hey, I just got a survey report. My shoring is deflecting, um, you know, three-eighths of an inch. And I'm super scared that this thing's going to go off my limit. After, you know, I'm going to have a big problem with the neighbor and get sued. And it's just no problem. Next thing you know, he's just in the cr- next morning, he's craning $100,000 worth of support steel to bridge the, 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 the deflection, whether it might be a, a, a real thing or not. But that's, but that's, that's you know, when there's – emergencies, which you and I both know that every single, like on this phone call right now, I could hang up if some horrible thing could happen to me or you. And, yep, yep. and, but you know, and I know that everyone is protecting me and everyone's protecting you because we've created brands, we've created businesses, not based on, and that's what people don't understand, not being the most successful as far as being the wealthiest or I have the most money or whatever. It's being the most respected that People recognize that you 
go into a room. You're going to walk out with that business because you have the best, you have the best uh, operation going, right? Because you're fair, you're nice, you're you're you 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 put others before yourself, right? You care more about the success of the project and the client than you care about yourself, right? So what that does is it creates incredible synergy um, behind you, where these subcontractors will do anything for you to help you, you know. Well, I love that, Andrew. I mean, again, I can't even keep up with all the notes as you're talking, right? But what's interesting is you talked about kind of this mentality that you need to live to fight another day, right? This is a relationship industry. And the reality is for anyone listening, I mean, I don't care if you're a designer, architect, or builder, every day seems to be a disaster in some sorts with issues and problems, whether, you know, your framing crew wants to stop in the middle of the job because they're getting two dollars from someone else and they're leaving that subcontractor i mean it's all over the place where we're dealing with this chaos and and what's interesting is you, you talked about this saying where it's don't confuse uh, my kindness with weakness like you you still need to be fair and kind and resolute but there's you can't be walked over but at the same token like if you treat people right if you treat them fair if you find a solution where there's a bust in the plans and you're like hey i'm not going to shove this down your throat subcontract i'm going to work with you and hey, let's live for the next one and, and figure this out. You know, there's a lot to be said where you're filling that emotional bank account, bank account and now you need them at a later date and they'll do that because you've already, you know, extended it all the branch to them. Correct. Absolutely correct. So let me ask you this. I mean, with all the other things that are coming up on a daily basis, Andrew, I mean, how are you communicating that same philosophy with your team? Because you have that philosophy, you know, you've built that, you've built this brand. And Patterson now has this brand nationally and also locally. So how do you kind of instill that mentality and those values with your team, your staff? Well, I, I think I think the biggest uh, uh, sort of like the uh, gut check or, or seeing what you just said is because you kind of get used to it. Like, oh, you know, this is the way we, I've never not done it this way. I just see life this way. It's like life's not about how much you make, how much you lose. It's kind of like chips, right? If you love what you do, it's like, don't take my chips away, man, please. <laughs> I just want to keep playing, right? But I don't know if I'm up or down. I, I don't even know, you know, but it's, it's you know, um, you know, everyone around me is happy. All my clients are happy, right? So a lot, there's a lot of turnover in our business, okay? So um, we have, how many superintendents? Thir we have 13 superintendents. We have 13 superintendents that, uh, that work for us. And, I think the, um, um, you know, we keep growing, we keep growing and growing and growing and the operation keeps growing. Um, so what happens is these, these superintendents come over, you know, work for different companies, they come over and they're just, mind is blown. They said, I just can't believe like you would just roll over on that. And I said, yeah, I mean, would someone else fight this? And he goes, oh my God, my past employer. He would never let that slide and he wouldn't pay for this or do this or do that. And, and, um, you know, the amount of organization you guys have or where I'm coming from. And it's, it's so that that's sort of the best way of sort of instilling or sort of seeing the fruits of the labor of the, of the process of the creator, right. By seeing other people that are coming in from somewhere else saying like, kind of like their eyes are like, they're seeing fire for the first time. Right. So on the, uh, on the internal side where the decisions are pretty much made, um, there's, uh, myself and then below me I have an operations officer named Heather. And then, um, uh, there's Brittany is basically, uh, on the, on the sort of the real estate side of things. She's also doing all the, um, uh, you know, bringing new clients in, processing them, then also doing our aftercare program. 
Um, and there's Lisa, our controller. So like our controller, like if something comes in and it's like, she can look at what the, what the uh, you know, it's, I don't know, $2,000 for some sort of a, uh, we call it a PC cost, which means it's Patterson cost. It's not buildable to the client. Yep. And she looks at it. No, it doesn't even get to me. Just like, oh, Andrew would process this. I mean, I get to see it at the end of every month of kind of like where it was like, oh my gosh, like what all happened this month? Um, you know, and I can see like, oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's very rare out of, you know, maybe 50 PC costs um, uh, for the, you know, for the month that are, I don't know, hundred grand, whatever, um, that I don't bad night any of them. If, even if I do, it's kind of more of a question like, oh my gosh, like how the hell that possibly happened? You know, like more of like a joke, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, and you know when, when clients call and they ask, oh, uh, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. The the office is, you know, my the the, the, the it's not only like a staff; it's more of like a, it's not even a team; it's a family, right? Because I've been around these people, you know. It's it's you know, we're together every single second of the day for, you know, going on some of my people like 10, 12 years, right? And and they all see me on a daily basis, you know, I, I you know, and and they know not not how I'm gonna I'm gonna react to something but but how i generally live my life and the philosophy that i have living my life um where i don't count the pennies man i don't count i don't even count the dollars you know i just i just i count the happiness right you know that and that's that's what the most important thing is so if you if you live your business based on that um you know and you in your your life and you love what you do and your life is this business it's very easy to instill that in people because it all just kind of rubs off on them. You know, it's not a fight. Or a yeah. Drive. Those are great values. Go ahead. Yeah. What, what's interesting, Andrew, I mean, the reason those are great values, you know, it reminds me that one of my mentors, you know, younger I worked for, and he'd always say generosity precedes uh, prosperity. Right. And kind of that chase experience, not money mentality that what you're doing is instead of worrying about, um, the little nuances that come up, which we all know, it doesn't matter if you're cost plus or GMP, whatever kind of price ma matrix you're doing, there's going to be issues that come up. But if you're resolving those and saying, hey, you know, at the end of the day, I want to just do right by my customer. I mean, that's going to build that brand, that reputation, and you're instilling those values in your employees, right? And so right. they're seeing that. So, so how do you differentiate that, though? Because I think one of the challenges, Andrew, I mean, because there's a fine line in the sense that we want to do what's right. We want to build this brand and we're going to absorb some of these costs, you know, for the relationship side of things. But how do you, you know, decipher that where it doesn't become like a careless mentality for the guys in the field, right? So that they're not just like, oh, it's fine. We'll just take care of it, you know? So they're still proactive to make sure that they're being cognizant of the schedule and the trades and change orders and, you know, all that. Because you have to carry a really big stick behind you. <laughs> and and what it is um is that people have to know um not necessarily your you know and that and that's from the very very top is that it's okay to make someone happy and it's okay to do the right thing you know it's uh whenever you do a a, a business deal right that you know you you really want the other person to feel they got a better deal than you you don't want to feel like you got taken but you want the other person to feel they got a better deal than you. You know why? Because they come back to do some more deals to you. Hey, that was a transaction. It was positive. And it was a good deal. But if ever, you know, it's very simple. If you give away all your money on your deals, you're not going to have more deals to do. Yep. So you really have to be uh, careful um, to not let people think you're a pushover, right? 
So, you know, it's a big struggle to be easy, but also be fair, but also know that no one's going to walk over me. And if someone I feel is taking advantage or I feel that something is not above board, it, it's, it gets pretty gnarly, you know, mm-hmm. because, you, you know, I can flip on someone in about two seconds if, if I feel disrespected or I feel that someone is, you know, not, not a genuinely good person. You know, it can flip really, really quickly. Yeah, well, it's, it's important to have those values. It's important to have a, a backbone, if you will, where you're standing up for what's right. You know, there's a, you know, no one wants to be taken advantage of and, yeah. and you're going to do what's right for the customer. And one thing, kind of as you were speaking about this, one thing that we've done um, is at times we'll do these what are called like zero dollar change orders. So where, you know, there's an issue that comes up or an oversight or something we're going to cover, you know, just to continue to show the customer that, hey, we're, you know, uh, we're, we're doing a good job and we're, we're working with you on this is that at the end of the day, they may have a bunch of $0 change orders that zeroed out by AFT, right? An AFT cost. And so the customer still sees what the cost of that issue or oversight or problem was, but we're just absorbing it. And so, and so it just kind of builds that, you know, that reputation through the end where they're like, you know, I see how much that Brad and his team did. And that really helps diffuse like if something comes up, which it normally does. Right. Right. So, so that's exactly right. So, um, that's what's exactly. So, our PC costs are shown to the clients, and it's on. It's a basically a, a deduction of fee, right? So, we charge a percentage of cost. That's how we do it. Um, and so, we don't charge a monthly fee. We just charge one straight percentage um, for everything. And so, that bottom line item, you know, uh, I tell the clients like, hey, I don't have some sort of a monthly fee that's gonna, you know, for some supervisor or whatever. And it's all one number. So the faster we get this house done, the more theoretically we're going to make. But, um, you know, because our overhead's fixed and, and you know, the longer we're here, the more we're spending. The more cost, yep. Exactly. So when a mistake happens or we call it a PC cost or, you know, it's just something that's outside the realm of, like, we should have caught it but we didn't, whatever. Um, I just bought, like, I don't know, $40,000 worth of some sort of a tile because it was supposed to be non-skid and my document was wrong. I'm not even sure how that all went down, but but – the client can see that and they can see the fact that, you know, here's the, you know, cause we're an open book contractor. So they see all the invoice of the project. They can see everything. Mm-hmm. So they go, Oh gosh, well this, this project didn't cost, you know, $5 million. It cost you know, um, you know, 5 million, you know, uh, $40,000, right. Cause the, 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 the money's got to be paid out of some sort of a budget, but that 40,000 is coming out of our, our end, not his. So, so let me ask you this because we talked about this in Vegas and, Andrew, is that predominantly your market is an open book cost plus there in Southern California, correct? Well, that's how we do it. That's not that's not the norm. It's not the norm. Okay, but that's just kind of what systems you have in place. So how how are you setting that expectation up front? Because one of the challenges, well, I mean, whether you're doing GMP or cost plus, it doesn't matter because costs continue to rise and escalate and there's labor issues. But how are you setting an expectation, I guess, I guess. with the client that, hey, we may have, you know, 80 grand figure for drywall, but that could grow to 90 grand, depending on what drywall material costs are at that day. I mean, are you, are you setting that expectation up front? Yeah. So we do everything on a, um, and that's, that's, we have, so we have a whole operations department and what they're doing is, is, um, understanding what the, um, the commodity is of that subtrade. A commodity is two things in, in construction and subtrades. It's, it's materials, but it's also labor. So for instance, you know, the, the materials on a structural steel line item, 
is 90% of the line item and 10% labor, right? Because the guys just show up and erect it, right. four guys, you know, but you have all that steel to produce. Whereas something like, um, you know, uh, plaster, exterior, exterior plaster is, you know, all, all, you know, you know, you've got 20 guys out there doing the plaster work on, you know, materials that cost like 10 grand, right? Right. So what we do is um, there's no way to really track the lumber commodities of, <clears throat> you know, on, on the, you know, it, all these different, you know, uh, tables and charts and whatnot. So what we do is we do a micro um, um, snapshot of the local economy of what things are. And what that is, is if you figure the average worker around here in Southern California, they're going to be making $250 a day, right? For That's just what they're going to make. Um, and they're limited by, by, um, ge- by geography. So you can't live far enough away, right? More than an hour and a half away because you'll spend more money in gas than you'll spend making half a day's wage, right? So you're not going to do that. So an hour right. and a half away really is your local labor draw. And when the resources are stretched, like you said earlier, like the other, the framer gets two bucks more to his guy and takes your whole framing crew, right? And you're like, oh my God, how do you respond to this? So what we do is um, on our end, we have a micro uh, analysis where we just take all of the, um, the projects we're currently working on and we know what the unit cost is of that line item or that trade, whether we'll say framing. If we know that the last three projects that we just awarded were you know, 38 bucks a foot for one, $40 for one, um, 43 for one, you know, um, 42 for one and 37, 50 for one. Well, we just know that based on the framing line item, we don't have any plans or any uh, structural drawings yet. We can allocate that. We know, Hey, the framing is going to cost like 41 bucks a square foot. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're getting three or four bids on all these different trades. So that's why when clients come to us, it's really a slam dunk, you know, sale for us because it's, you know, we have the ability to show them every single project. So we take them on a house tour and say, come look at this guy's house. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you know, $750 square foot to build this house. They have the, they have the budget of that guy's house and walking around, seeing what the guy spent on drywall, windows, doors, you know, tile and stone and whatnot. So uh, we do homes that are is that six hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks a foot. We do homes that are two thousand dollars a foot. Um, you know, so but everyone's got their sort of price threshold. But to be able to bring people through these different homes with the budgets, it really helps them on the front end. You know, know you know what it's going to cost on this cost plus deal. Well, you mentioned this in Vegas when we were in Vegas. You had talked about you really. Um uh, you know, you spend a lot of time with the database to track these numbers and track the cost. And what's really, as you mentioned, it helps you win jobs because the customer comes in, you have this book saying, look, I've done it. Here it is transparent. It's a no brainer. And what's fascinating is, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me saying, Hey, Brad, I'm spending a lot of time betting customers. You know, I'm doing all the due diligence and meet with them pre-construction. And then they come to find out their budget doesn't line up. And I always ask them, well, why aren't you asking this question on the first phone call? Because, you know, if someone's calling me to vet them. You know, I'm going to ask them right away, well, do you have a budget? Do you have an expectation? And sometimes they'll give it to you and sometimes they'll say, I don't know. I kind of want you to look at it. I said, well, we typically build in this range. And in fact, I could take you to this house. And, you know, if you want to be at $500 a foot, let me take you to a house we just finished at 500 so you can see the level of quality and finish. And so in essence, that's what you're doing Correct. to vet your customers, right? Absolutely. But it's it's also, too, you have to compete with people who just throw numbers out. Like just right. uh, – 
oh, you know, Patterson, he's so big. His overhead is so high. You know, he's going to charge 750 bucks a foot, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't, that doesn't matter. We, you know, our, our percentage of what we charge to build the house is we charge uh, 70% of the cost of the work, which I think is, is more than fair. And that includes oh, yeah. supervisors, fees. I mean, it includes everything, overhead, prop. That's a great, everything. great steal but, for the customer, yeah. But we have to haul ass, though, because, you know, we've got, a, you know, we've got 27 people over here when most contractors have maybe one, maybe two, three guys. And, and so they'll say, you know, but the framing isn't any different. The drywall isn't any different. Insulation isn't any different. It may, might, maybe they can do it for, you know, well, they'll say, oh, he's doing it for 8%. Well, well hold on a second. What's this, you know, 12000 you know, five hundred dollars he charge you per month. Oh, that's a supervisor. Okay, well, that's that's he's getting that money. Yeah. So, so you have to add that in. So he's not charging you eight percent. He's charging you twenty percent if you add all this in because it take him two years. Oh no 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 no. He says he can do it in twelve months. I just went to this house he did. You know, that he built in twelve months. I said, what's the address? Uh oh, I got the address now. Well, guess what? Guess what? The guy didn't know. Did you know that all inspections are done and the dates the inspections given on every property's public record. So you can go on the city website and you can enter every single one of the inspections of the house that the guys went to on your actual schedule and show it didn't take them 10 months. It took them 16. There's the actual data. Uh, 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 <laughs> for 500 bucks a foot, you know, can, you know, that's fine. It maybe took a little longer, blah, blah, blah. He'll do it for 500 bucks a foot. That's great. Produce, produce all the bids and all the, all the, uh, the budget for that house you just did. And they sent it over. And, you know, and I can look at it and hold on a second, right, right back. You're missing this, 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 and this. Oh, those are all designer calls. Hold on a second. But you have to, you need lights in your house, right? Yeah. yeah. You light, you need, you need appliances, right? Yeah. Oh, so I guess it is 700 bucks a foot. Yeah, it is because everyone is pulling from the same number. So there's, there's no magic guy that can, there's no magic bullet. Like, oh, this guy's, you know, found a way to like bend the space time continuum and he can, do it for, for you know, 200 bucks less than everyone else. It's, it's bullshit. It can't be done. Well, I think that's really Im- important because you know your numbers so well. You know your information, your ducks in a row. So the more we know our business and how this thing works, it's easier to educate the customer, right? Where, you know, the unfortunate thing in our industry is you do have contractors that are bait and switch or just want to get in and get the job uh, only to, you know, change order them oh, later or find some way to finagle the system. Uh, but so, so let me ask you, I mean, going I mean, back go to your points, Andrew, are you guys self-performing any of this work or are you guys strictly a GC such as myself? Yeah, we're just like you. Uh, so it, it's, there's no way in California with the workman's comp to, to self-perform. Because, yeah. Because if we do any, uh, carpentry work or anything like that, or any workman, like any type of work, we all bump up to that, that higher, uh, what's it? It's like, it's like a carpentry foreman, whatever status mm-hmm. and comp rate. You know, everyone we have is a supervisor administrative number. So, so for workman's comp, so no one, none of my guys can operate tools. No one can do anything but like push a broom. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. It's very similar. And and we don't have the same expenses, you know, that you do in California, but they're still high in Arizona. And that does keep us from self-performing and it kind of opened up, you know, to your point, just as a strategy, as a company, you know, it allows us to be more efficient. You know, we could manage more projects and, and have systems down and sub that out. And, and, you know, based on the conversations you and I have had offline and even here is that similar to, to your strategy as you get in, you're organized, you, you get the project in and out and that allows you to be more profitable, allows the customer to be more happy, especially in this market. Right. Let the, let the carpenters be carpenters. Let the drywall 
hangers and tapers be hangers and tapers, you know? Yeah, and it's very similar. Both of us grew up in a constru- like commercial background. That was mine, now it's yours, and that's the mentality there. So let me ask you this, Andrew, as a business owner, I mean, one of the tough things is with these systems, like, like that's something I'm working on. Like, yeah, like actually, we have a production meeting right. tomorrow with our team trying to figure out some yeah. more systems to put in place because a lot of us hire someone, we take them to the end of the pier, we kick them off and say, go swim, right? So right. What, what are ways that you're managing? Are you guys using other software? Do you have your own software? How are you kind of managing the process for new hires and, you know, 13 superintendents? So what we do is is uh, it's it's actually a, a uh, it's 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 hard to comprehend when I tell you how we do it, but uh, um, the entire operation is is one is, is basically inside our house, our office is run by um, the coordinators. So the coordinators uh, are reporting to a a, a coordinator manager uh, Kelly. and she has four coordinators underneath her. And what they do is they're the ones that are, you know, assimilating all of the data from the interior designers. They're the ones sending everything out to bid. Um, then Kelly's main job is making sure that these um, decision schedule decisions are met on time with the uh, on the schedule process to make sure that hey, you know, the, the cabinet shop drawings have been signed off. You know, um, you know they're only because now the you know the, the appliances were signed off, right? Now the plumbing fixture will be signed off. Maybe get the tile and stone signed off. And the coordinators are assembling all this data, and they're basically putting these massive books together um, that we've created on our own our own software platform um, that they're giving to the project managers in the field. And I have Ben, who is my manager of managers, and he's basically just driving around all day making sure that the guys in the field um, are building only off what is given by the by the girls in the office. So it's a huge, huge uh, the one thing that that I don't allow in my business is for the project manager or the superintendent to speak to the client. Um, nothing, you know. How's the weather? The cords will be nice, but they will never answer a question about schedule, um, finish, materials, any of that stuff. So how do you do uh, that do you though? Do that? If I interrupt you, how do you do that work? Because you know, mo- fire, most of the time they'll come to the site while the super's there and say, "Hey, what's going them. on, Pete? Fire what's them. that? I fire them." <laughs> So I'm dead serious. But how do you communicate that with the customers that way? Don't you talk know, the, to this guy because if you talk to him again, I'm going to fire him. <laughs> That's amazing. I love yeah, it. I, I just him. so direct. If you talk to him again, I fired him. That's incredible. So so what's their responsibility? If I'm a customer and I'm coming in to my Patterson Custom Home, do I say, hey, what's the schedule? Okay, you need to talk to the office. Do I talk to the coordinator? Is it yourself? Yeah, I mean, talk, op- to, op- talk, op- to, talk to talk to uh uh, number one, um, hopefully they don't call me, but I'm always available. My clients do call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is great. I like, I love talking to everybody, but you know, typically they'll just call uh, Kelly and they'll say, Hey, uh, where are we looking on everything? Um, and if they want the actual schedule of, of what the actual project schedules, I'll talk to Heather in the office and she'll update them on where everything is. But it's basically, it's just the big items like a uh, window and door shop drawing. So we, we do a lot of steel windows and doors out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are, you know, million and a half dollar, you know, window door packages that, you know, some, uh, we, we get Bromble that come from Italy and, you know, we're looking at a, you know, a, a seven, eight week lead time on getting just the shop drawings, uh, produced. And then after they're signed off and done and, and, and vetted, you know, you're looking at, you know, another, you know, you know, 24, 24 weeks to get the stuff delivered to the project. So you're looking at an eight month horizon on these things. So, um, 
she's mainly updating and tracking this huge, huge critical critical path like blocks and updating the clients to make sure that everything is good. Like, for instance, we're not going to call and, you know, and rattle someone up um, on, hey, you know, um, you got to decide your, you know, plumbing fixture sign off today for the schedule. Even we know that even if we've got all the MEP signed off this week, um, uh, we're still going to be waiting for, you know, a month before the windows and doors come. We can't do anything. Can't wrap the house. Can't do anything. So um, the clients will basically learn really quickly. They always start at first, like in the, the, in the, in the client and my PMs like, ah, I prefer not to talk to you. I prefer not to talk to you. I prefer not to talk to you. And then, um, you know, and they get the, they get the point pretty quick, but it's only for their own protection. No one's being rude. It's a matter of I've spent hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars on on oh well I told him that day I came by um, with my wife she's my witness to move this light I told him that Saturday when I ran him on the job site that I wanted my sink over here not there right so all that goes away. You know, you're not being rude. You're just doing it for their own protection. You're protecting the client from themselves by not talking to your project manager or superintendent. No, I love that because really any, any team, any project gets in trouble where there's that communication in the field, things happen. It's not corresponded or communicated to the office, to the coordinator, you know, things get missed, things get incorrect. And if it's not built per plan and let's say they change their mind or they forget the conversation they had, it comes back to you and now you're paying more money to fix it or change it back. Right. Cause and, and so really what you're doing is saying all communication for change orders, for changes, goes through the office, you know, scheduling. And it really ke- creates a mindset and control within your company. But it, because that, and that goes back to being walked over at the very beginning. We kind of talked about it being kind and nice, but not being walked over is, you know, if the range gets ordered, you know, the wrong shade of blue and it's a lot of corn and it costs $25,000, right? And it's, it's, you know, petite blue, not baby blue. Who knows? And all you have is from a site meeting on a, you know, on a, on a Friday at four o'clock, someone said they want petite blue instead of baby blue and no one wrote it down. No one signed anything. No one, then guess what you got? You got a $25,000 petite baby blue, whatever, uh, corner range in your storage locker. I got one of those. <laughs> oh man. I got all kinds of shit like that. I got like sub-zero ranges that don't fit. I got dual fuel, uh, wolf oven that because the lady was professional cook and didn't, didn't want to. Didn't want the gas only. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I got, I got it all. But I mean, it, it, but it doesn't matter. $10,000 range, $25,000, whatever. It doesn't matter because the client knows that I stepped up and took care of it. And I always do. But by us implementing this, this process and the procedure of they, the, the PMs and the superintendents cannot speak to the clients, um, we have totally eliminated any of that of that problem everything is signed off everything goes to the office and you know they sign off for literally everything it's the only way to do it, it takes a little bit longer but it's the only way to do it it's so such my, sound advice i i yeah, love that I mean, it's it's and that's the thing is if it's a gc that's that's trying to figure out how to do it it's you know you either, you got two choices you got you got path a or path b remember those books when we were a kid how old are you uh, 39, 39, 39. Okay, I'm 40. Remember those books when we were kids and like you had to read the alternate ending? Like it's a go to, you know, you read this yep. mystery book, like go, go to page 27 to have the adventure uh-huh. ending. Yeah. Go to page 46 to have the uh, the scary ending, right? <laughs> You're on a path as a GC, right? You had path A or path B. The fees were all, the market is the fees. We're all going to be able to make as much as the market's going to allow us to make in our fees. 
So how do you allocate it? Do you want to A, path A, keep all that money, hope nothing goes wrong, or B, break off, you know, 60 grand, 70 grand, 80 grand, whatever it is, and hire someone that's going to just process those decisions, right? And process and manage those decisions. You know, maybe, maybe nothing went wrong. I don't know. I, I'm safer. I'd rather just spend the money and have someone checking everything full time and not make as much. I, I love that, Andrew. Let me ask you this then. Is this, uh, are these systems that you've developed, you know, through trial and error or tell us about your background? I mean, I know you have commercial background. Did you learn these previously before you started the company? So tell us about your background and kind of where these systems came into place. Um, it's simple as this. When I first started, I had no systems. And then I, then something went horribly wrong and someone was super pissed off. So I had one page. The page said stucco will crack. Sign this. Right? Yeah, one of those before? Oh, yeah. I, I had no idea this plaster will crack. What is that all about? This has to all be redone. Well, I mean, it's cement. So it's on the outside of your house. It's going to have some cracks in it, right? It's nothing bad. It's just what it, so now, page one, stucco will crack. Homeowner, you want stucco? Sign this. Right? You know, page, page two, you're, you know, I can't believe after 10 years my deck would leak. Well, You've got to resurface it like every three or four years. Like, what, what, what are you doing? You never, you never, you never wash this deck once. It's all filthy. It's got like cigarette butts everywhere and like old leaves. So page two, so, you know, here's the deck, the deck requirements. So every system and process I have in place of everything is based on someone being pissed off or something not going the right way, right? My book now is like 185 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> is that long now? Two. Stephanie's saying higher. I think it might be over 200 pages long. Now. <laughs> well, well, you learn through it, right? It's like we've all made those mistakes, and it's like yeah. you have to continue to, you know, document that. And you know, it's funny. I had a lady on uh, Luann uh, Nagara last yeah. week, and she's a big podcaster, and she had said you should always do an autopsy after every job, right? And what went wrong? What went wrong? What could you better? And so, and that's really what you're doing is you're continuing. Oh, made that mistake with communicating to Stucco. Made that mistake communicating this, and now it's all documented. So you don't make that again. Correct. Exactly right. So, you know, Andrew, you've been amazing. I mean, spending this time, I appreciate you. I know you're super busy. Um, and again, for any of our listeners, we're going to tag you, of course, and all the social media. But for those listening, I mean, where, where can they find you? Um, the most, uh, the Patterson Custom Homes is our, is our uh, um, website. And then um, Patterson, uh, what is it? What is it? Patterson Custom Homes is our Instagram, Stephanie's saying. Um, and then uh, our the the custom care is basically our, uh, our our aftercare program, which now is which we've started here locally, um, which has been the greatest thing since forever. Um, that that's been mind blowing as far as business goes. Um, that custom care it's custom care uh, technology. I'm not sure if the I'm sorry, it's customcareprogram.com. So that's our Perfect. service. We talked about the Builder Show that we're actually now going to start. Yep. Um, it's available now to um, uh, any 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 home builder that wants the uh, the care program that, we, that we've been doing the aftercare. So I I will just put this as a little plug in. Um, the, I, I know the listeners can ask for this, so I'd love to schedule you, Andrew, to do a follow up episode, and we'll do one on the customer care because I know there was so much to cover in this conversation, and there's so many that topics we want to cover so we'll bring you on again and kind of get into that program yeah uh, and that's and that's if you had to ask me what the number one thing that's ever happened business-wise that that's that's basically put us atop of every other builder locally and why we're just winning work is the aftercare 
the fact that no one's ever done this or, or thought about this or implemented this, we've got 90 clients on ours right now and it's just exploded and everyone comes into our, our office. How do I get on that? How do I get on the custom care program? Like only it's it. available people's house you build. So. I love it. It's such, and, and it's going to be fun to dive into that and kind of talk about that because yeah. I know you mentioned that to me in Vegas is, yeah. I mean, such, such a great idea. Right. Uh, but, but Andrew, thank you so much for making time again. We're going to tag you. We'll have um, everything there for our listeners to find you. And again, thanks again for coming on well, today. Brett, thank you so much for having us, man. And, uh, and uh, if you ever want to come to California, you want to just uh, check out the, the waves and then the, and the sun, come on out. We're here for you. I'm in. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. Good talk to you. Bye. A big thanks to Andrew Patterson for coming on the podcast this week and making time and sharing his expertise about how he's built such a successful company there in Newport Beach. And all of you need to definitely stay tuned for next week. We're going to bring on John Brinkus, formerly of ESPN Sports Science. For all of you that would watch SportsCenter and ESPN and see those sports science segments with uh, John Brinkus, we're going to bring him on. He's going to speak about marketing, uh, how TV production changed his career and what he's working on now. Uh, so definitely going to cater this conversation to a lot about marketing and some of the new products that, uh, that he's established. So definitely stay tuned for next week with John Brinkus.